Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Give the Lord an acclamation of praise this morning, but before you take your seats, I believe that this is a a revelation for some of you here today in this congregation and to those of you that are watching us online. I just want to take this moment to cause you to to um, water that revelation right now. Just recognize that you are resurrected in Christ Jesus and that there's revelation after revelation that is lifting you higher and higher and you're, going to, you're having victory in small areas right now but hey, wait a minute, the big one is coming. God's going to pour it out upon your lives in Jesus' name. Hey, welcome to our friends that are watching online. It's great to have you with us. I just want you to know that today is going to be an enjoyable morning simply because you agree with me. So you're going to enjoy this morning and may God's word really bless you. It's great to have you with us and for all of you here this morning that are alive, it's so good to see you. Welcome to God's house. God is saying, me, Kassa, Sue, Kassa, your house is my house. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to enjoy his presence this morning. Team, what a great team. Why don't we give them a... Welcome. Fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. God bless you. You can now have your seats. Um, My name is Brian, and uh, I am so excited to be able to share with you this morning. I feel that this uh, past season that, uh, you know, of messages that we've had on on faith formation has been, (laughs) on faith formation has really been a blessing to me. I, I interpret faith formation many ways. I, I just think that my faith is constantly being formed. You know, it's like the more I learn, the more I understand, greater the revelation. It's just such a blessing. When even I, when I think about my faith developing in that manner, I, I realize that I am on a journey in my relationship with God. I am on a certain section of that journey where God is speaking to me as you would be on your journey, finding great revelation and blessing and favor from God on your journey. Amongst all the heartaches, disappointments, and things like that, you know, there is God just wanting to pour out his blessing upon you because he's promised promised us that he is going to take care of us and that he's going to provide for us. God is there for us. The resurrected, resurrected king is resurrecting me and you. So enjoy that. Know that. Let it sink into your spirit so you can really live a life of victory. Last week we spoke about unforgiveness. And uh, from all accounts, uh, it spoke to a number of people. It also spoke to me. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I had a chat with Pastor Red because he's very congratulatory on... uh, the message on a Sunday afternoon. I don't know whether he's just being nice. So. <laughs> but I believe that he really means it. Um, you know, in uh, thinking about that last week, and I thought, well, we can't just leave it there. We really need to bring the other side of the equation about living the blessed life of forgiveness. Amen. Um, I, I think that it's so important for us to understand because in our day and age, I think in our culture, 
Unforgiveness has become a part of, a great part of life today in many people's lives. It's sort of got us in a bind. I think about the, the victim. I think about the perpetrator. If they're a part of a family, cousins, or, you know, distant relatives, if that victim constantly meets with the perpetrator, imagine how disturbing life is uh, for, the, for the one that's the victim. Every time they see them, they probably rewind that hurt and that pain and, and look at it all over again. And, and the outcome of that is not often very good, or if, you know, if good at all. Both Pearl and I, we had dinner with a friend of ours on the weekend, uh, last Friday night. And he's a great friend, loved him. Both him and his wife are just beautiful people. And uh, I was thinking about what am I to share about forgiveness? Because to be honest with you, friends, I, I haven't experienced unforgiveness in the manner that some have. When I heard his sharing, I thought, I don't even understand that. How can that be? Over 30 years, they had a falling out. 30 years previously, still today, his brother will not even look at them or talk to them. Because he stood up for his sister, there was some issue that the family experienced, I won't go into detail. And he stood up for his sister, and because of that, the family's broken down on his side. Even his children are not contacted by their cousins because they've been told that they were not to be thought of, considered in any way. So 30 years later, I couldn't understand that. I, you know, I, my family, uh, I thank God for them. There were eight of us, brothers and sisters, six brothers, two sisters. And uh, I, I just don't know what it is to have unforgiveness. I really don't. I spoke to Pearl. I said, Pearl, I don't even have a testimony about, you know, forgiving or having been hurt in such a way that I've harbored it. And so I'm not trying to be better than thou, you know, seriously. Like sometimes I thought over the course of time, I wish I had some anger in me just, <laughs> just so that I could tell the story. But I, seriously, I, I found it very difficult to do that, I um, read a little article where a, um, a psych psychologist, a psychologist said in this article he wrote that if only 70, if, if, if people that came into my office in their state of mind, if, if, if only they had the spirit of forgiveness in them, 75% of them would walk out of here totally healed of whatever problem they would have had. Isn't that a powerful statement? When you think about it, for unforgiveness is just a horror thing that weighs people down. It's a tool of the devil. This morning, I don't want to share too much from my own perspective. Really, what I want to take you to is a story about Joseph, which we will look at in a minute. I was reading chapter 37 this morning, and I was just blown away about what God can do in a person's life that will, will change, you know, from change a man to love his family rather than hate his family for what they did, and that how he responded to all of that. It was an amazing story. 
you know, let me just give you a few thoughts before we go on into Joseph's story about the positive effects of forgiveness. If you would forgive, these are some of the experiences you would be having. There'll be decreased levels of anger and hostility, increased feelings of love. You'll have the improved ability to control anger. Wouldn't that be nice? Forgiveness can help in all of these areas. You'll have an enhanced capacity to trust. That's a big one, because trusting can be very difficult. Past experiences will stop you from trusting people. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. You've got to be cautious. You've got to know who you can trust or who you can't. But if you have the ability to forgive, your, your ability to trust people will or the capacity to trust people will be enhanced. You'll have freedom from the control of events of the past. That's the one that the devil likes to hold on us all the time. No longer repeating negative behaviors. Your health will improve. Significant improvement in psychiatric disorders. Now on the other hand, one who cannot forgive may continue to suffer endlessly. So, as I said, in sharing a little bit of my experience, the home in which I was brought up, I, I, I don't recall. The only problem I had was when I went to high school and my brother belted me up because of whatever reason of which I've forgotten. I don't even remember what it was all about, but I know that I was very upset and I was crying and didn't like it at all. And that's the only sort of issue in my life with my family that I can recall. I don't remember dad ever yelling and screaming at mom. He was drunk most of the time, so probably was enjoying his uh, life in that state. But I've never heard him raise his voice. I don't recall dad ever grabbing me by the scruff of the neck and telling me the you know, the reason that I'm still alive. He, you know, none of that. There was no bitterness. There was no anguish. And I'm still so much a part of every member of my family. Mom and dad have both passed away. And my eldest brother, he's passed away. And the one just older than I passed away not so long ago. Um, so there's five of us, um, no, six of us in the family still alive. Two are still in South Africa, and four of them are out here enjoying Melbourne's wonderful <laughs> life at the moment. <laughs> so, you know, and honestly, we're in touch all the time. We, we ring each other, they send me messages so that I can laugh a little on what's happened. But, you know, that's the nature of our relationship. When I heard my friend's story on the Friday night, it broke my heart because I reached out to him. They have forgiven. They're both uh, believers in Christ and regular fellowship goers, and they have tried everything, but there's no response from the other end. And I believe that because I asked him this question, I said, now, do you feel 
a release within you? Do you f he says, absolutely. It hurts me when I see them because they have connected. He told me a story about the brother meeting the sister. And the sister hadn't seen him for a while, and she saw him the other way, and she smiled at him because she thought he was responding to her in some way. She smiled at him, and he instantly just abused her in front of everybody in that shopping center or in that supermarket or wherever it was. So there was a lot of hurt, you know. And I wanted to draw out of him, how do you feel about what uh, is gone on in your family? He says, oh, it hurts me. But Brian, I don't feel any sense of guilt. I've done everything I can. I've just got to trust God to bring healing in their lives. And I thought, well, that's the sort of response that I would want to hear. Folks, when we forgive, we have the release of God's Spirit into us that will help us to walk in freedom and not be bound because the enemy will try and hold that against you. Forgiveness releases us. And it will be a welcome relief in many people's lives if they would only trust and obey God's word. So what Joseph, let's look a little bit at Joseph. So we're going to look at a lot of scripture this morning. So I want you to, as I read chapter 37, I was excited and I thought, God, how good you are. Joseph experienced some undeserved jealousy. He didn't deserve what he got. It wasn't his fault that his father liked him a lot and gave him a coat of many colors. It wasn't his fault that God gave him this dream. And uh, through that dream and the interpretation of the dream, his brothers got very jealous of him. Look at Genesis 37 and verse 11. It said, and his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Now the dream, I'm sure many of you know the dream. But Joseph and his siblings, they went out into the field, or, and he has this dream, and he's 17 years old. And he says to his brothers, you're all going to bow down. He spoke about sheaves of wheat. He says, mine stood up in the middle, and all of the others around me all bowed down to mine in the middle. The brothers got upset. I reckon many of us would get upset if our younger brothers came along and said, hey, you got to listen to me. This is how it's going to be. You would get upset. And so they did. And not only that, he went on to tell him about his father also being a part of those that were going to bow to him. And they didn't like that. But Joseph said he kept that whole, uh, Jacob rather, kept that um, prophecy or that story in mind kept it in his heart. So he was, they were jealous of him, and that was undeserved. He didn't do anything to deserve that. And of course, another point is in Genesis 37 and verse 18 to 22. Mind you, let me read uh, chapter 7 of Acts, some New Testament scripture here, probably the only one I've got for you this morning. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him, and delivered him out of all of his troubles. What an awesome God. And he gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all of his house. I want you to remember this morning that what we are sharing with you is about a forgiving heart. And that God is in control 
of, uh, of what is going on in your life. If you've given your life to him, God's going to take care of you. He's going to watch over you because David, um, David, uh, uh, Joseph did not deserve the treatment that his brothers gave him. He was rejected. Genesis 37 verse 18 to 22 says, Now when they saw him afar off, when Joseph was coming into the field, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. How would you like brothers like that? They see you coming from afar. Let's just grab this guy. We've had enough of him. Let's put him away. His life is over. That's what they were thinking. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Verse 20, come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Wow. Certainly building up a scenario. But Reuben... One of the brothers heard it, and he delivered David out of their hands by saying, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Undeserved rejection. How about cruelty? This wasn't deserved either. Genesis 37, 23, and 24. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, his coat of many colors, that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Further challenges that David faced was life crises which was undeserved. In Genesis 37 again, and from verse 25, it says, And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels. They were bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood. Come and let us uh, sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and then they took Joseph or the Ishmaelites took Joseph to Egypt. Verse 36 of chapter, 37, uh, of chapter 37 says, Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar. You know, it, it's, it, it's interesting. And, and this is all a part of God's plan. And we'll see towards the end David's, uh, Joseph's response to his brothers when they realize who he is. Uh, continuing on, we are to, in verse uh, 36. They took him to Egypt, sold him to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, verse, uh, chapter 42, verse 21, says, Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. So David was experiencing some difficult times, absolutely being sold off, 
by his family, thrown in a pit, taken over to Egypt, and has a challenging time in that process, I would be angry, so would you, very upset. We want to get revenge, and all sorts of things would be going through our minds. But we'll see as we go on how David dealt with it. Uh, injustices that took place in his life. In Genesis again, chapter 39, and verses 6 through to 12. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had ex except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass that after these things that his master's wife, that's Potiphar's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no greater in this house than I. So he's having promotions by now. No greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Verse 10. So it was as, he, as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. What a scenario. She grabs a hold of his coat, trying to get him to lie with her. He must have wrestled himself free, ran outside, and left the house. What a great position to find. I mean, how, how he positioned himself in his mind and in his response to his boss, to Potiphar, he positioned himself in such a way that he was not going to do anything that was going to upset Potiphar. He had come to the conclusion that he had been blessed and that Potiphar had trusted him with everything. And he understood that he was in this position where he did not want to upset the boss. And so he withstood all the temptation that was before him, namely Potiphar's wife. And she gets a hold of him, this handsome-looking young man. But he wrestles his way free, and he gets out of the house to avoid having to do or being forced to do anything he didn't want to do. Undeserved injustice. Undeserved treatment by those whom he helped. In th chapter 39 and verse 19, so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. So he was, the injustice that was put upon him was undeserved. Crisis in life, undeserved. 
The cruelty he experienced from his brothers was undeserved. The rejection, all undeserved. And what about the people whom he helped whilst he was in prison? Potiphar had put him into prison as a result of what his wife had said to him. And he meets this butler and the butcher and the baker. And these two guys are in prison as well. They are a part of the king's household. They were confined in prison and they had a dream, both of them, in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 5. Each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, well, we each have had a dream and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me, please. And in chapter 40 and verse 14, after Joseph has done this interpretation for them, he says, but remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of the house. And when they did get out of prison, it says there in verse 23, the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. And you want to read those passages because it's interesting, the interpretation of the dream. That, uh, you know, the, 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 the baker and the butcher, they're separate dreams. The one is told that your head will be cut off or you, your head will rise up and, you know, you'll be experience the joy and the freedom, but then it will be cut off. It's an, it's, it's an amazing testimony of how God, you know, I read all of this stuff and I thought to myself, God, you're so good. You've taken care of Joseph in every single way. Down the track when Joseph meets with his brothers, the, you know, Joseph says to them, you, you, you planned evil for me, but he says to them, look, don't be concerned. It's not you that placed me there. God's taken all of this and he's caused everything to happen because there was famine in the land at the time and God set Joseph up so he could take care of his family. And it's amazing how through all of this time with all the difficulties, the challenges that he experienced, that he was able to do that for his family, to bless his family and to provide for his family. But again, I could not get away from not so much what Joseph was doing, but how God had made it in such a way that there was avenues for his breakthrough. There were doors that were opening for him that only God could have opened, not only in the physical, but in his heart. He was able to forgive. He was able to walk through challenges. The amazing thing about having a heart of forgiveness is that you will feel better. You will not be taken in and cast out and thrown away. 
Because your heart is such that you're able to forgive and you're able to keep on walking in faith. I tell you what, to have faith and trust in God is a way of life today that the world is lacking in many ways. But if we who believe and trust in the Lord will have faith, God will guide and direct our paths. He will position us in such a way that when you get through that difficulty or that challenge, you're going to say to yourself, God, I could never have done this on my own. It is you that helped me to get through this. And that's what Joseph's life was all about. I'm very impressed about God who cares for us. In our prayer meeting this morning, there was amazing prayers, but what really was on my heart was the song, an old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He is faithful. He doesn't turn away from his promises. He says, and lo, I am with you sometimes. Is that right? Why are you laughing? What is right, Rodney? God is with me. Always. Always. Not only when I'm good, people. Not only when I have bad, uh, good thoughts. But every time, even when there's a bad thought, you know, the Spirit of God reminds us, Brian, you better get rid of that thought. You know, it's not going to do you any good. You step on that thing, cast it aside, get rid of it right now. And you're able to do that because there is that prompting in the spirit because God loves me so much. He's going to say, Brian, don't do that. God wants us to live in victory. He wants us to live a blessed life. I want to live a blessed life. And I'm sure you do too. So let's just look further into David's life. I'm sorry. Thank you, Pearl. That's my wife, Pearl, for those of you watching at home. She's just reminded me of the mistake I made. But... All right, Joseph. If I say David one more, once more, Pearl, you can not serve me dinner tonight. That's my punishment. <laughs> the promotion of Joseph. Genesis 41, 37 to 39. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Wow. Wouldn't that be nice for somebody to say that of us? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Chapter 41, verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnath, whatever, Pena, near. And he gave him as a wife. Let's just move on. <laughs> there are crises that sometimes happen in our lives that bring us together. This is what happened with Joseph and his family. When Jacob saw, Jacob, this is Joseph's dad. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look to one, at one another? And he says, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. You know what's interesting? I'll read some more of that passage later, but doing a little research and looking through uh, what comment commentaries in the Bible, you know, the question was, why didn't Joseph send message? Because where they were, Egypt wasn't so far from where Joseph's dad was. 
why didn't he send a messenger, which he could have done at any time because he was in charge of things, to his dad and say, Dad, I'm still alive? Because he heard that his father was mourning. He could have done that. And it's interesting, the commentators say this. Well, there's a number of them. You, you, if you did some research, you'll find that there's a number of reasons. But the main one that I felt was very, uh, very relevant or, or could be the, the correct one was that Joseph only hears from God for certain you know, serious things. And according to his dream, the first one he had was that all his brothers were going to bow to him. And the second was that his father was included in that. But the first one had not come to pass. So Joseph was not going to do anything until such a time as his brothers bowed to him before. He was going to let his dad know because he would have messed up what God planned for him. Now, I, you know, that's, that's a, you know, to me it makes sense. And the wisdom of the guy God, give us wisdom. Help us to, to discern. Let's not shout our mouths off and come to conclusions simply because it suits us. You know, we might decide something, but hey, is that what God wants for us to, you know, to be a part of or to do or to say? If we are in the presence of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, let him do the talking for us. Let's not shoot off too quickly. And if you have a heart of forgiveness, friends, I do believe the only conclusion that I could come up with in my own testimony is that my family home, mom, and, mom went to church, dad, well, he wasn't so interested. But mom took us all along. We walked for miles to get to church. Every Sunday morning, I used to curse on a Sunday. I said, no, man, church. We'd have meetings at home, and I, we lived in a double-story place with these concrete stairs going up, and we'd sit on this cold concrete floor, and I used to think, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to hear all of this. But mom insisted and raised us up to believe in God, and I believe that the seeds were set in our home, in our family, by her persistence in our going to church and hearing the Word of God, going to Sunday school and learning about God. Her persistence has helped me to have this uh, desire to do what God's will is uh, that is the best for me, and that's to forgive and to care because these are all the things that Jesus was to us when he walked the face of this earth. And God cares for us. He loves us. Rodney reminded us in the prayer meeting this morning, God loves us. He will not give us away. He's faithful and he's just. And I believe that that's what has helped me along my pathway to the point where I can't even share a testimony when I need to. <laughs> Crises that bring families together. Verse 3 says, So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. Now Benjamin was um, Joseph's, Joseph's brother from the same mother. Right? The other brothers, he, he, you know, because his wife sent her, her servant to to sleep with him and things like that. But Joseph loved Benjamin more 
and all his other brothers uh, and took care of him in that way. So anyway, to move on. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor of the land and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him. There you go. Prophecy coming to pass. Bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You see, he's setting them up. He wants to see how genuine they are. He says, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today. That's Benjamin. And one is no more. That's Joseph. So the 10 of them are there. And they said of Joseph that he was no more, thinking that, well, he might have died since the Midianites took him. So it was a challenging time, but it brought families together, this whole episode that Joseph was experiencing. So finally, I just want to share with you in the next couple of minutes I've got, is the heart of a forgiving person. Let's just look at Genesis 45. The heart of a forgiving person believes God is sovereign in his dealings and makes all circumstances work for good. Can I read that again? The heart of a forgiving person believes God is sovereign in his dealings. God is sovereign. And he makes all circumstances work for good. Genesis 45 and verse 5 says, But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves. Now Joseph is saying this to his brothers. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before, God sent me before you to preserve life. There he is. Again, that forgiveness is coming through. Verse 7 says, And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8. So now it was not you who sent me here. Isn't this awesome? Not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. This is amazing. Verse 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. This is all God's plan. What we have today is because of what God planned for me to do, and he set me up so that I'd be in this position to take care of my family. In, verse, uh, in Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good. Yeah, wow. Amen. For good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. The heart of a forgiving person uh, is uh, one that, does, that allows the breaking points in life to become grace 
encounters. Gavin, I'm sorry, I'm just going to move on a little to the next. I'm going to miss out on a few scriptures, but please, can I encourage you to read Genesis? I really am running out of time. The, the, the next, uh, what I want to say is that the heart of a forgiving person has been softened by life's hard experiences. Genesis 42, 23 and 24, it says, But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. All the challenges that Joseph went through helped him. And now he's softened as a result of all of them. Toward his brothers, his, his heart reaches out to them, and he turned himself away from them, and he wept. Because he could see the pain that they were in and the sorrow that they experienced. And he returned to them again and he talked with them and he took Simeon from them and bound him. This is all to make sure that they were genuinely repentant of what they'd done because they loved Simeon. So Joseph takes him away, binds him up. And in, in, in Genesis 50, it says, And Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Verse 17 of chapter 50, thus you shall say to Joseph, this is Jacob speaking to his family, I beg you, say this to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brother and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. You see, Jacob still didn't realize that it was his son Joseph that was in charge of everything. So he says, you say this to the master there. You know, and say that you're sorry. Forgive us for our trespasses. And, uh, and so the scenario is that Joseph is beginning to see that they are repentant, that they are sorry. I want to end with this thought, and I'm afraid I'll have to. The heart of a forgiving, forgiving person does not live in the past. You know... Joseph names his two children. He names his two children. One is Manasseh or Manasseh. And the, the Hebrew meaning to the word Manasseh is cause me or causing to forget. And Ephraim, the meaning of Ephraim is double faith fruitfulness, double fruitfulness. And you will read in a passage of the fruitfulness of David, of Joseph. Oh, Pearl, I want my dinner tonight. <laughs> the life of a forgiving person is blessed by God in every way. Genesis 49, 20 through, 22 through to 26 will give you all the blessings and the favor that God placed upon Joseph. Listen, as much as it might have been different for you, this is different for me as well. It's not often that I would share a whole passage, but it's like a, a, a movie, you know. I thought I was watching a movie as I was reading it, you know, yeah. seeing how things all came together. I, I'm in this next minute or so that I have, looking at the life of Joseph and talking from my own personal walk with God, I can see God's favor as I read about Joseph. Maybe you've read about Joseph but haven't been able to grasp the, the totality of God's purpose in Joseph's life. Look, 
God is not only concerned about the patriarchs of old. They are our awesome mentors. But God is concerned about you and I right now, and he wants to bless you. He wants to pour out his favor upon your life. He wants to raise you up so that you could walk with your head held high. You might be watching us on, in your lounge room this morning, and I want to encourage you just to allow God to clear your mind. As I started this morning and said that, you know what, there's a revelation word for some of you about God's resurrected, being resurrected from the dead, God rising up from the dead, that we too are being resurrected with him. There's a revelation that you can get a hold of so that your growth and development can continue on every day so that you can become strong. And same for you out here in this congregation this morning. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to walk with you on this journey. You never need to be alone. No, never alone. God wants to bless you. For those of you at home, I thank you for watching with us this morning. I just want to pray that God's favor and blessing will be upon you. So if you just put your hand on your heart and just open your heart to God, and maybe you're in a position where you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, why don't you allow me to pray for you? And you can say this to yourself, and we will be here with you, just encouraging your congregation, you too, if you will just pray this with me so we can be a blessing to the folks sitting at home. And if you in here and you haven't given your life to Christ, I would encourage you, pray along with us. Why don't we do that now? Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for uh, doing a roadmap that is taking me towards victory in you. Right now, I commit my life to you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be my leader and my Lord. In Jesus' name, I receive you now. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for watching. God bless you. I pray you have a great day and uh, good on you for being there with us. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.